Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. And today we're finding ourselves in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you hit Romans, take a left. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 2. Um, we're going to read the entire chapter to start with, and then we're going to see how far we can get. All right? I've got lots of notes, and unfortunately, that means nothing. All right, here we go. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared, appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because every one of them heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear them in our own language in which we were born? Parthenians and Medes, Elamites and those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, uh, Pontus and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and all parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak in our own tongue in the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? While others were mocking, saying, they are full of new wine. But Peter, that's me, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour, or nine in the morning, because that matters, of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in those days that God said that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven above and on, on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourself also knew him. Being delivered, by the, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. For you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up and having loosed from the pains of death. Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David said concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh will also rejoice. Rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made it known to me by the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you among the patriarchs of David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet... 
and knowing that God had sworn with, him, with an oath to him that the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, that he would raise up the Christ to sit on the throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor was his flesh shall she see corruption. Jesus, let this Jesus God has exalted to the right hand, sorry, this Jesus which was raised up, which we are witnesses, therefore being exalted by the right hand of God, Having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured, out, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says unto himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Christ for the permission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. Verse 40, almost done. And with many other words, See, y'all talk about how long I preach and how short Peter preaches. It says, and many other words. They just couldn't keep up. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and, all had, and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them amongst all as anyone had needed. So continually daily with one accord in the temple and with breaking the bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. That's Acts chapter 2 in its entirety. Typically, we have two extremes. We have the, the crazy charismatics who think Acts chapter 2 is the first five verses. And then we have the Christian socialists who believe Acts chapter 2 is the last five verses. But in its entirety, context is important. What's taken place here in Acts chapter 2 was told by Jesus in Acts chapter 1 to wait in Jerusalem for the gift, the promise of the Father. When that gift showed up, it was a suddenly that took place. I, I love a couple of parts of this is that, and Dad asked me if I was ready for today's message because, and to be honest, I'm not. There's so many angles that you can take from this. We can talk about how we need to be more giving and, and, and sharing and stop being so selfish. We can talk about what the Holy Spirit does. We can talk about praying in tongues. We can talk about what a, a pillar of fire is. We can talk about Peter's message. And how about this? Peter, who was a fisherman, magically memorized, what, Joel? And then David? It's not like he pulled out a scroll. That scroll's 45 foot long. He's not like... Hold up, guys. Let me go to my library and pull this out. So how would Peter know this? And then what about the signs and the wonders and miracles that took place? And, and why was everyone thinking that they were drunk? And what is this rushing wind? There are so many avenues to take place. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pause for just a minute. Now we're going to take a couple of things. And then I may come back next week and take on a couple of more and so on and so forth. But here's the, 
the point of Acts chapter 2 is this. Acts chapter 2 starts us off with an event. You ever had an event in your life that was so pivotal it changed every part of your life? Like, I don't know, having kids? Whose idea was that? You ever looked at your kids and be like, I love them so much, and five minutes later you're like, why did we have kids? It changed everything. But context is so important because if you just take the first few verses, we can talk about praying in tongues and all these other things. Or we can take the last few verses and talk about how we shouldn't even have bank accounts. We should just bring our checks here and then we could just, everyone, split it up. Husbands and wives understand context is important. Babe, I've got a great idea. We should all, this summer, go to Disney World for a week and bring my mom and my sister and her crazy kids. And then he looks at her and goes, that's a, that's a crazy idea. So what, I'm crazy now? You know, context is important. Babe, I just watched HDTV. I'm going to Home Depot and I'm going to go buy a bunch of wood, building a new deck. Hey, babe, you've got four lawnmowers, two Volkswagen Beetle Bugs, and four motorcycles in the backyard. How about we fix those first? So what, you don't believe in me anymore? See, context is important. And when you understand the context of chapter 1 and chapter 2, you understand this. Can I tell you? The book of Acts is not about praying in tongues. Nor is the book of Acts about dividing all your assets amongst everybody else. Those are two events that took place. Can we say what the book of Acts is really about? It's about Holy Spirit coming upon people and they changed the world, preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and all of the earth. That's what the book of Acts is. And if we miss the context, we're looking for hot hot topics. We're looking for where is just the tongues aspects and and where does Peter go crazy aspect. And where no, this is what's taking place is that God Himself is showing us that there is a new a new element on the scene, if you will, and it's changing everything. Because if we don't understand that it's through Holy Spirit that he leads us and guides us and protects us and and, and guards us, we miss the rest. Without the book of Acts, Romans doesn't make sense. Corinthians doesn't make sense. How are we going from the Gospels of Jesus to all of a sudden a guy in Rome arrested? If there's not a book of Acts, how do we understand how all of these people who are cowards now all of a sudden are full of boldness? All right, based on that, we're skipping this. I understand that the topic of the Holy Spirit makes people nervous. You ever had a bad experience with somebody who was filled with the Holy Spirit? Just me? Tandy was there too. Tandy saw it. Let's talk about that for a second. Because we seem to like God the Father. He gives awesome gifts. We like God the Son because he died for our sins. And then it seems like we like God the Holy Bible. But can I tell you, the Holy Spirit is not the Bible. Okay. He is a figure of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, the God the Holy Spirit, in which the Holy Spirit himself is not new. In Genesis, we see him hovering over the depths of the, of the deep. Yeah. 
We see, the, we see God look and say, let us make man in our image. We see the Holy Spirit from the beginning all the way through. And let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not here to point at himself. It's the weirdest thing how they have this relationship. Because Jesus looks and goes, you need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like, you need Jesus. Can I tell you, they love each other. They are one with each other. And we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is not a crazy person. Well, we can't control the Holy Spirit. Did you see them try to control Jesus? How'd that work out? The, the Trinity has this idea, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they are God. And they do what they want. And that's it. That's just it. How about the first part of this book? And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Pentecost is, is stuck between two festivals. It, it's stuck between when we receive the barley and when we go and plant the wheat. Okay? This would have been uh, Palestine's Mardi Gras. So the idea that they were drunk at 9 a.m. is not that crazy. Okay, never mind. It's just funny because it's, Peter's answer is, it's, no, it's too early to be drunk. As if that's ever worked with anybody. Late night bender, man. Like he, They kept going. But, but they're looking at this. But you know what's crazy is that it wasn't that they were just speaking a language or muttering that got people's attention. It says, suddenly a rushing wind from heaven shows up. Can I tell you, this tells us the direction of which the Holy Spirit came. He is not from the devil. He is not here to bring chaos. He is a man that is here because he's from heaven for a purpose. And it says, he sounded like a rushing wind. If you pull that up, it's more or less like a tornado out of nowhere appears. You got to realize they are on the coast. There's wind coming off the Mediterranean. Hearing the sound of wind isn't uncommon. So it had to be a powerful sound that rushed in to get everyone's attention. Everyone's attention was around them. There's thousands upon thousands because every good Jewish man had to show up for at least one of the three festivals in which this was a big festival. And how about Peter's statement, who you crucified? Can I tell you, the vast majority of people that were listening had nothing to do with the crucifixion. That was 60 some odd days after the crucifixion. These are people coming in in a pilgrimage for a new festival. And so what we're seeing at this moment is you see a rushing mighty, we hear a sound. What in the world is that sound? They turn and they look in the direction of the sound. And up, up high, we see men and women who are now speaking a language, not some random language. They weren't just stuttering. They weren't making up cat sounds and chicken sounds. In fact, the Bible says, aren't these Galilean? How are they speaking our language? And the beautiful part of it being Galilean is this. It's this idea that you can learn a foreign language. They were traders. They could go and they could do different trades to different people. But the idea that these Galileans would speak this language means this. Their dialect was perfect. Uh, when I was in high school here, my sister was my Spanish teacher. 
and oh, she's not here. I can't make fun of her. I'm going to do it anyways. Uh, Lauren uh, was in Spanish with us. And Lauren, uh, wonderful, uh, smart, intelligent, has the southernest accent. Yo, quiero, yo, quiero, yo, quiero. And you're like, good Lord, Lauren. This is just, like, it was the southernest Spanish, like, we're talking about deep south. I don't know where that is, but it was deep. But these Galileans are speaking fluently, and they have no idea what they're speaking. So can can we say this? The first visitation of the filling of the Holy Spirit was not chaotic, and it was not full of confusion in the eyes of everyone else, but it was a sign and a wonder that brought people together for a purpose. If me living my life through Holy Spirit is continually pushing people away from the cross, I'm probably living it the wrong way. If I'm walking through Walmart and I'm shunning the bow tie keys to my Honda and I'm screaming at everybody in tongues and no one understands what's going on, they're not going to look at me and go, I know what he's doing. They're going to go, that's a crazy person. So the idea on the scene when the Holy Spirit runs is not that he creates a division between people, but he draws people. And if we're continually living our lives with the banner that we are charismatic, spirit-filled people, yet pushing people away always, I wonder if we're carrying the wrong banner. Because the Holy Spirit is meant to do one huge thing, and that is this, meant to draw all people to Jesus. The first thing that we got to realize is the Holy Spirit has a relationship with you. He guides us. He leads us. He guards us. He protects us. But he also has that secondary thing, which is to push you continually and everyone around you continually to Jesus. In Luke 24, we see that the disciples are, are receiving the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And this has always bothered me. The gap between Luke 24 and Acts chapter 2. What is, the, what is happening? Because here's the kicker. Luke 24 says that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 tells us that they are waiting to be, have power on high. So here's the kicker. You can have the Holy Spirit and not have and operate in his power. You see, the Holy Spirit guides us and it leads us. Uh, can I get my mom for a second? Mom threw me under the bus talking about how hard she's been working out and how much I, I pressure her. But here's the idea. So, la da da. Have a seat, Mom. Um, mom has been coming to the gym with me for a while and, and working out. And one of our things that we do is that. Uh, I give her a, a plan. This is what we're going to be working out. These are the exercises we're going to be doing. These are how many sets. These are how many reps. And then she has it in her phone what her weights are. The idea is twofold. Number one, she needs to continually know what she's doing. And the second thing is we need to see progress. You see, the Holy Spirit, one of his big things is that he guides us in all things. Are you with me? He leads us in all things. Have you ever been led by the Holy Spirit to do something, to be somewhere? 
When I was 20 years old, uh, sorry, 18 years old, I went to become an intern. And as an intern, that means you do whatever they tell you to do. Intern jobs are horrible. College grads, sorry. High school grads, being an intern just, it sucks. There's nothing easy about it. I'm 18 years old. My friends are at Auburn. They are partying their heads off. And here I am in Fort Myers, Florida, wearing an oversized suit and tie that I got at a store called Flava for Players. <laughs> True story. <laughs> My jacket came down to here, and I thought I looked good. <laughs> it was also the time where guys had highlights, and I was too broke. So I had a friend's mom do my highlights, and she didn't know what she was doing. So she pulled my hair too small, and I had chia squares all through my hair. It was just, life was not good for me. As an intern, I had to be at the church at 8.30 every single morning for prayer. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I had to be there at 5 a.m. An 18-year-old at 5 a.m., that's a miracle in and of itself. And then my job then was to take classes and then just do whatever the pastors wanted me to do. Make copies, cut paper. I served in kids' ministry. I served in youth ministry. I, they, they put me in the office. I served in the kitchen ministry. And on Tuesday nights, I, I worked in what was called special ministry, which was our, our special needs people would come in on Tuesday nights and we would do a service. And by we, they had a pastor that would oversee them. I set up. I, I cleaned up, I ran audio video for them, and it was a beautiful experience, most of the time. Most of the time. No, don't do it? All right, so, like, there was an issue when I went to go walk out the door, and I'm like, okay, well, somebody had an accident. It is what it is. I'm a servant. I'm 18 years old, I'm doing this for Jesus. So I grab a bucket, I get bleach, fill it up, and I'm mopping the floors. I'm like, doing it for Jesus, cleaning up messes. Turn off all the lights, and I look, and I see down the hallway, Mom, that one of the lights was left on. And, you know, there's that moment where you go, have I gone so far that ethically I don't have to go back and turn it off? I'm like, I'm going to go above and beyond for Jesus and go turn that bathroom light off. And when I opened the door, it was like a horror movie. Somebody decided to finger paint walls, windows, mirrors, everything. And I'm like, oh, there's a smiley face with feces. That's fantastic. <laughs> so I call my pastor. I'm like, hey, sir, I'm sorry. It's 9 a.m., 9 p.m. This is what's going on. He goes, man, you got to clean it up. I'm like, okay, sure. Thinking he's going to say, I'm proud of you. Come in a little late in the morning. No. He says, hey, Get it done. Make sure you use bleach. We'll see you at 8.30. In fact, I need you to pick up my kids early. You can take them to school in the morning. I'm going to go to breakfast with my wife. I'm like, huh, okay. So I go and do that. I, I serve. The last little bit, I begin to make money. I'm, I'm selling furniture with a friend of mine, making some good money. It gets into it the last few months. You know, I, I'm realizing my time has come to an end. I have the ability now to make, at 19 years old, $50,000 a year selling furniture, which is, at 19, I'm a millionaire. But I felt Holy Spirit leading me to come to Millbrook, Alabama and make $1,092 a month and cut grass. 
I'm going to leave my friends. I'm going to leave all my people. I'm going to leave all the hard work that I've been putting in as an intern, and I'm going to come up here. And so I get up here, and I work. I'm cutting grass, doing kids' ministry, the youth pastor. I'm looking because I'm angry. No. Um, we did uh, college age, uh, substitute teaching. What else did we do? Uh, maintenance. We cleaned the bathrooms here, um, and then for some random reason was just being a worship leader out of nowhere. I don't know how that happened. My mom one day goes, God says you're our next worship leader. I'm like, hey, I don't play an instrument. Her words, figure it out. <laughs> Never had a lesson. I'm like, Jesus, you better do something. So then, hey, boom, things start moving. We start growing. Things are happening. I'm, I'm working. I'm doing my thing. Holy Spirit led me here. Then in 2006, Holy Spirit tells us it's time to move back to Southwest Florida. I have no job, no opportunities. I filled out 62 applications and zero callbacks. That felt good. So I move. Leaving a place of comfort because Holy Spirit says to leave. I get to Southwest Florida. I meet with a senior pastor there of the church that I was attending. And I said, I'll do anything you want me to do except for kids ministry. And he says... I need you to do kids ministry. Three months later, I'm the kids pastor. And we grow it. My first day on the job, 50% of my kids staff quit. Of volunteers. 50%. We, we had 100 volunteers. And we went down to under 50. In one day. And if you don't know what that means in leadership, that means you do more work. So, I worked. Became the kids pastor, raised up a wonderful lady to take that over. Became the youth pastor, raised up people to take that over. Eventually worked my way up the ladder as the church grew, became the executive pastor, and we planted campuses, and we did Spanish-speaking campuses, and we did campuses in different states, and we did campuses in different continents, and we were just growing and doing our thing, and then God opens his mouth again. And he goes, move back to Millbrook. And every person told me I was crazy. But you know what? The Holy Spirit leads you. And he guides you. He takes us and, and I leave a place like that. And I came and I think the first week I hop on a mower here. And start cutting grass yet again. All right, mom, lay down. Because what happens as we are exercising is that we learn the mundane. Grab your weights. All right, go ahead and do some reps for me, mom. Give me five. Give me five reps, Mom. And so, because she can do this. I know she can do this because we've done this numerous times. This is not a big deal. But this is what happens with Holy Spirit, is that he leads us into a path. Is that five? All right, boys, can you give me a hand? He leads me to a path to understand that every day is not crazy Acts chapter 2 day. The vast majority of my days are mundane days. It's listening to Holy Spirit doing the small things. It's listening to God doing the easy things. It's listening to God walk me through my daily life, and I should go here, and I should talk to that person, and I should, and I should do these small things here and there because God is continually guiding us. And this is the kicker for Acts chapter 2. For the whole book of Acts is this, is that in the book of Acts, we see all of these chapters that took place over 36 years. We think it's 36 months of crazy. It wasn't. Most of the days are just basic Tuesdays. 
sprinkled in with a miracle of God here and there. Can you guys pick that up for me on each side? Why? Because the Holy Spirit is continually training us to a place of this. He wants us to get to a place that when he tells us to do the impossible, we know he's with us. Can you guys pick it up for us? All right, Mom, lay down. Because here's the thing. Mom knows. Can you lift this? Don't drop it. (laughs) (laughs) He knows that she can't. Go ahead, Mom. Get it. Give me a rep. Yeah, I can't. Go ahead, do a rep. What happens is that mom can understand that even though that she is doing all of this work, the truth is that she's not. Why? Because I understand that I, myself, am stronger than where she's at. And this is what Holy Spirit's continually telling you. He's leading you and he's guiding you into a place that's harder than you can handle. And the entire time, it's not hard for him. It's not hard for him because he can lift everything. And this is the kicker that Holy Spirit is, is that he has been and he continues to go every area of your life before you can even go there. And he sets up hard and difficult avenues for you to show you this. You ready? How strong he is. He continues to put us in impossible situations to show you that he's got this. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> I was walking around with uh, my fiance and the kids yesterday, and Jonathan, golly, God bless him, he probably weighs 60 pounds soaking wet on a good day. And what's fun about Jonathan is that he only weighs 60 pounds soaking wet on a great day. And you can walk and you can talk. And this is what Holy Spirit does on a regular. He surprises us with his strength. Because as Jonathan is deciding to climb up a wall, I can with one hand throw him up the wall. And then when he goes, let go, he just drops. And I can catch him very easily. And this is what Holy Spirit is continually wanting to do in your life is develop a continual relationship with you that when he asks you to let go of the high areas and to lift the heavy weights, you know you're not doing it alone. I would never put my mom under this and say, figure it out. No matter how much my dad has tried to pay me, I still won't do it. Because I have a relationship with my mom that I love her enough to not put her in a place that without me, she's going to get hurt. God does not get glory in breaking you to a place that you're no longer usable. That's a misnomer. God just wants to break me into nothingness. He wants to put you into a place that's bigger than you so you rely on him. And when we are lifting weights, we have this breaking point. I don't care how much it is. Uh, we can lift this, and, 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 and there's a thing called the combine and, and getting ready for NFL. And they put 225 pounds on, and they say lift. And they start lifting. And they go until they can't lift anymore. You know what's the crazy thing? No one dies. Because they have huge men watching these guys lift. And they don't give you a magic number. Give me five 
give me six. They say, go until you can't, until your arms give out and we catch the weight. The Holy Spirit is continually asking us to lift easy weights every single day. Can I tell you, God's not asking huge things from you every single day. He wants the average day to be bigger than the, than the supernatural day. Because if every day is a supernatural day, it's not very supernatural anymore. And can I tell you a secret? The supernatural will never sustain you. In Exodus, we see the children of Israel facing an impossible path. God breathes, splits the seas, raises them up. They walk on dry land. They turn around, and they watch the entire Egyptian army, who at this season in the world was the strongest army in the world, get swallowed by the sea. And in 29 days... They have already worshipped a golden calf and are, are completely turning their backs on God. And you're going to tell me if I just have more supernatural, I'd believe? No, you won't. There was never a, a generation on this earth that had more supernatural um, moves of God than the children of Israel. And they were continuously wicked. God's hand of, of his gifts will never sustain you if you don't have his heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit is continually doing, is connecting you to his heart, connecting you to Jesus. Because if you're not chasing Jesus and you're just chasing a new supernatural movement, you're going to leave yourself to a place that you're conjuring up moments and you're clucking like a chicken and calling it God. The bass will rattle, the dust will fall, and you'll go, it's gold dust. Probably not. If it is, scoop it together, melt it down, tithe. <laughs> Only Jesus will sustain you. And this is the whole point, because now we get to look at what Peter says. Peter doesn't look and go, look how great we are. We're praying in a new language. I'm speaking Cantonese. He has no idea what he's speaking. He has no idea what's going on. But the Holy Spirit raises something inside of him to look and go this. I don't know all the answers, but God already told us this day was coming back in Joel chapter 2. It's here. Why is it here? Because of Jesus. When you get yourself to a place where every good thing that takes place is, I don't know, Jesus? What's this craziness going on? I don't know, Jesus. Why of all of this, I don't know, Jesus. Is your default answer, you might be at a precipice of living your life full of the Holy Spirit. But if all I can do is to continue to put my mind around a problem and figure it out myself, I'm limiting myself to the only weights that I can lift. I'm not telling you to go ahead and constantly dive under 400 pounds and try to do a bench press. But there's these moments in our lives where God pushes us beyond what we think we can do. He looks at us and says, you're bigger than this, you're better than this, 
And if you can't do it, I'm going to catch you. And he lifts the weights. I remember as a kid, I used to walk hand in hand with my dad. He doesn't like to hold my hands anymore. But I would have, <laughs> it looks kind of weird. Uh, but I'd have my dad on one side of me, my mom on the other, and they would do the one, two, three, and they would li- like launch, like not like fly me through the air. Like hold on to my hands, but you know what I'm talking about. The, and what they're doing is they wouldn't tell me when it was happening. They would just whoop, and I'd be flying in the air like Peter Pan. And I would just, you know, you have your, your, your stomach just drops. Everything is, your heart races and all these things. And you're back to your ground and, and you're waiting for it again. You're waiting for it again. And he would just walk and walk, and he would wait for me not to pay attention, and then yank me up again, and I'm flying in the air again. If that's not a, a sign of what Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your daily life, I don't know what is. It's a daily walk with your hand with this every once in a while, surprise, you're flying. It's a thrill. It's an experiment. It's an experience. It's a thing that takes place. But can I tell you what it's not? It's not chaos. The Holy Spirit will always cause chaos on the enemy's plans. But he's not here to cause so much chaos that no one knows what's going on and we just blame it on him. I think that's terrorism. Utter chaos to leave everyone in fear. You should come to church with an expectation that God's going to do something, but never a fear Never of fear. He, he hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Are there areas of our lives that go, hey, I don't fully understand why we sang that song 18 times? No, that's fine. You maybe not know. Maybe it wasn't for you. Maybe it was for somebody else. But I can promise you this. When we're f- flowing with Holy Spirit, it's not spooky. It's not kooky. We're not shock jocks trying to create something out of nothing just to create and I wonder what that was. It must have been super spiritual because I'm so confused. God's not in the business of creating confusion. He's in the business of taking souls back to the cross. He wants to connect you and your family and your coworkers, your friends and your enemies back to Jesus. And he's going to do that by continually walking with you day in and day out and occasionally showing how strong he is. But here's one thing I want to say. If you've been on the fence about submitting your life to, to God, to Holy Spirit, I, I do want to promise you this. I can't even promise this, but if I was a betting man, because God does what he wants to do, but I'm 99.999% sure you're not going to go, if you're on Maxwell tomorrow and you're working, and someone goes, hey, what's going on? All of a sudden, you start breaking out into a random language. You're not going to start clucking like a chicken, falling down like a snake. God doesn't get glory in humiliating you. You guys understand that. He doesn't get glory in humiliating you. This whole passage is that God gave them a super ability, not humiliation. 
He wants to take his sons and daughters and make them bigger and better than everything else. Not cut them down to be the mocking joke of everyone around them. There goes that crazy person again. I want to serve that God. No way. So if you're believing and you've had bad experiences, here's what I'm going to tell you. Try them again. Yes. Eh, that's probably not accurate. Try them for the first time because I don't think you got him. A lot of us have been living lives where we were having a bad experience with somebody who called it spiritual and it was just spooky. Trust Holy Spirit. He wants to help you, not hurt you. He's called the great comforter, not the great comedian. He's not going to roast you in front of your friends. He's here to edify and to draw men unto Christ. That's his job. And he doesn't do that by alienating and ostracizing and embarrassing you on a regular basis. So don't hold back. Next week we'll break into a, a part of Galatians that talks about the fruit of how you know you have the Holy Spirit. But today as we wrap this part up, he is for you and he is for Jesus. He wants to see each and every one of you successful in life and full of life. He is the great comforter. He is full of wisdom. He is full of power. He is full of strength. And the day is the day that you go, I'm tired of living every day under my own weights. God, if you decide that you want to give me some extra weights, I give it to you and say, I know you've got it. If you put me under something that's bigger than I can bear, I can lay under the bench full of weights and laugh to make me look strong. I took my son to the gym, put him under some weights, and he was cracking up laughing because he knew there was no way he was lifting those weights. And I'm doing like I did for my mom. I'm just lifting it up, and he's under there just smiling, acting like he can bench all of this weight. Big old grin on his face, and he gets up, and he's like flexing in the mirror. I put a smile on his face by putting him under weight that he couldn't lift. And this is what God wants to do to you. He's, he's continually wanting to show off his strength, his power, his might, and his love over your life. And just like Malachi smiling, looking good in the gym, he wants to make you look good in every area of your life. He does this by doing like he did to Peter. Peter didn't read Joel he didn't study David, but he gave him wisdom that he couldn't have had. Peter went from being, a, being cowardice to standing in front of thousands of people, and can I tell you, not preaching something fun. You killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. You killed Jesus. You all murdered the, the, the Savior. That's not a fun message to preach. Why? Because the Holy Spirit filled him with power that he didn't have. And it made Peter look a lot better than Peter ever could have done on his own. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today that as we wrap this up, that if there's been people on the fence trusting you with their daily day life. There's people on the fence that have been wondering if they should uh, or have gotten discontent with living life under their own strength. That God, you, oh Heavenly Spirit, would just continue to open their eyes to show them that you have got them, that you are for them, that you are with them, that every area of their life 
can be committed and submitted to you and your will, and you've got them under your control. So today, God, as we wrap this up, if there's any area of our lives that we've been, that you've been hinting at for us to do more, to, to get under some more weight, we can go with, with gladness and with joy to know that you're going to spot us and that you're going to lift the weight. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.